I would hope that they really just see somebody who came from an immigrant background. Parents came here with no money. Um, I was not smart. I wasn't talented. I wasn't um, gifted by any means. I wasn't athletic. I wasn't any of these things. But through being really persistent, I was able to transform my dreams into reality. And hopefully when they think of that, they also can think that they can do the same thing. Mark Metry interviews billionaires, New York Times bestselling authors, and legendary world-class human beings on his top 100 podcast, Humans 2.0. His thoughts, views, podcasts, and videos have been viewed over 2 million plus times. On August 16th, 2018, this podcast hit number 96 on the top podcast in the entire world on iTunes, along with Tim Ferriss, Lewis Howes, and Gary Vaynerchuk. Despite his previous social anxieties and challenges, Mark has chosen to spend his time on this planet trying to impact and influence others by evolving himself. He's on a continual quest to upgrade himself to the next version, version 2.0, if you will. He calls himself a curious nerd that loves creating, meditating, writing, exercising, and cooking. And I've experienced Mark as being extremely authentic, thoughtful, and truly a force for good in this world. He's leveraging his passion, his drive, and love for humanity to contribute to a more connected, harmonious world, and I really appreciate that. It was an absolute pleasure to have Mark on this conversation, and I hope you enjoy our discussion as he's using technology to elevate the human experience. So few of us are taught to love ourselves unconditionally. We're told that if we aren't fixing, winning, or doing, we're failing. We struggle to just be our authentic selves, to find peace and stillness. We're inundated by cultural noise that pressures us to conform or be rejected. And these influences leave us feeling confused, distracted, and disconnected. Many of us have lost our identity and are struggling to integrate new concepts. But I believe we can come back into alignment and find our way back to who we truly are. Ralph Waldo Emerson famously said, to be yourself in a world that is constantly trying to make you something else is the greatest accomplishment. Today's noisy world can cause us to feel lonely, distracted, and lacking a sense of clarity and purpose. We long to exit the fight of life and enter into the flow of the universe. We're in search of wholeness, opportunity, and a feeling of belonging. And we want our lives to contribute to a more harmonious world. We want to understand who we are, why we're here, and who we can truly be. We long for deeper connection and alignment with humanity, nature, and spirit. We want to unearth our true essence and connect with our highest self. To live fully alive, able to shine so bright that we liberate the light in everyone we encounter. We want to live authentically and experience the awe of the vast universe. If you're tired of feeling a sense of dis-ease, misalignment, or disharmony, that keeps you from reaching your greatest potential. Perhaps it's time you do the work to find out who you truly are and who you could truly be. You owe it to yourself to explore that. I'd love to guide you on your journey and help you craft an identity that will draw you towards your highest self and allow you to create the impact you want to create in the world. If you'd like to dive into the integrated identity process and discover your greatest self, Check out details on my website at www.jaredangaza.com.
This is a space for authentic conversations around indigenous wisdom, consciousness, and social change. We dance with the big questions like who are we, why are we here, and how do we work towards a more peaceful and harmonious society. I'm Jared Angaza, and this is Anipi Radio. Mark, thanks so much for being on the show. I really appreciate you spending some time with us. My pleasure, Jared, and thanks to everyone out there for tuning in. All right, so you, you've you got a great story, man, and I want to unpack some of it. And I want to, uh, you the, the places from where you started and where you've ended up, obviously there's a beautiful journey there, and I'm really interested in your perspective, uh, your mind, the way you think about these things. So we're going to get into that. So you, you started out working in your dad's pizza shop and then, uh, you know, by 13 had started your own YouTube channel, focused on video games, which is an area I am not real schooled on. So you can feel free to, <laughs> to help me out. <laughs> um, and that I'm skipping ahead a little bit, you know, you resulted in, or that resulted in, you know, having a, a 35,000 subscribers on YouTube. I recognize that level of achievement. <laughs> and, uh, by the time you were 20, I, I think you were operating, what ended up being like what the number one Minecraft server in the world. Is that right? 15 years old, 15 years old. Okay, cool. So let's start there. <laughs> let's start in your dad's <laughs> pizza shop and, uh, and, and move forward from there. Yeah, cool. So, so basically my dad came to the United States a couple of years before I was born and, you know, he just worked as any other employee in a pizza shop and eventually he ended up, working his way up uh, and eventually started and, and owned his own pizza shop. And so I was kind of growing up, I was like 10, 11, 12. And, you know, I decided to like, my dad always told me like, Hey Mark, if you want to start working, if you want to do this um, with me and like learn some things, I'm happy to do it and I'll pay you too. And, and all that stuff. So when I was like 11, you know, when I was like 11, I worked at my dad's pizza store for like a summer, just like three months. And I saved up enough money to be able to buy a laptop, an iPhone, things of that nature. And really, once I bought those things, I was able to start going in online. So like, and and believe it or not, that's like to this day, like the one standard job that I've had. Um, I've done an intern, I've done one other internship, but everything else has just been uh, me setting uh, a sail to my own kind of boat. And like, um, once I had the laptop and stuff, I, you know, started playing video games on there. I had always played on like the PlayStation. And, you know, basically my next big thing was that um, I played this game called Minecraft with one of my friends. And for those of you that don't know, it's just like this adventure, uh, open sandbox, almost kind of like a Lego ish game. And you can build on there. You can survive. There's, there's multiplayer servers. So you can go on there with your friends. And, you know, after joining a couple servers, I was basically like, yo, all these servers suck. There's an opportunity here. And I was just able to like Google my way. Um, yeah, Google my way through just starting my own server. And I ended up hiring somebody online for like 30 bucks from upwork.com that helped me set up some of like the, the Java plugins and some of the other things I didn't know how to do. Um, and then basically like I 
really like within like a month or two, the server was already making like um, thousands of dollars. And within like a year, two years, it was the number one Minecraft server, made me an obscene amount of money, uh, any kind of money that, that I've ever kind of seen before. And, uh, and going back to what you said about the 35,000 subscribers thing, like the whole YouTube thing was just like, you know, like, cause I would want to get better at a video game. So I would just be like, okay, how can I learn? So I just Google it. I go on YouTube. I'd, you know, people would be making videos on like how to get better at the game and like different kinds of tips and tricks. And I just watched so many of those. It, it was just like a very natural progression for me to then start making them based on what I knew. And I was like, the best person out of like my friend group that played these games and stuff. So I just like started making them, but like, you know, this was a while ago where like, it wasn't like such a mainstream thing now. Like people were still kind of like weirded out, uh, not just like watching videos online, but like watching videos of someone else playing a video game was just like something that was like totally absurd. And like there, there weren't people on YouTube that had like millions and millions of subscribers and like these professional videos and stuff. It was just like totally different thing. So like that whole YouTube part of my life was just like this weird, uh, like creative outlet that I used. And, you know, like since we're, I'm on the show, you know, I, I heard someone talk about it. His name is Jason Silva. And it was basically like his coping ne- mechanism for like existence to be able to have the feeling to hold on to something. And like when I made those videos, I was able to like pull them up on my phone later. Like, uh, and it was just kind of like a, a way for me to like kind of store, um, reality and then also like be able to edit it too. Um, and like that gave me the, the insight of like having control and being able to change what I say and things like that. So like I did that and that's what ended up leading me to Minecraft, which ended up leading me to a server, which basically ended up me figuring out like a bunch of things. And like, you know, even though I was making like a bunch of money at that time in my age, you know, a lot of great things happened from it. Um, but I also discovered that, you know, money's not the answer to life. And you know, kind of climbing out of a, coming from a, you know, an immigrant background, having a poverty scarcity mindset, and then getting all that money was just kind of like a mind shock to my brain. And I basically realized that, you know, the story that I was telling myself about myself in my head didn't change even after I made all of that money, which like at that time, my whole narrative was kind of like the American dream. Like, you know, once you become a millionaire, once you make this amount of money, then like all your problems go away and you start to feel better about yourself and things like that. But that didn't really happen to me. Um, so yeah, so that's how I I know it's kind of a long winded answer, but that's how I kind of say how, how those things played out in my life. Excellent. Well, so, so to back up a little bit too, there, there is a, your family's Egyptian, correct? Yes. Okay. So, and, and then you, you, you had said earlier that your parents came over when you were a kid and, and I just wanted to clarify the audience that was from, from Egypt, correct? Yeah. Yeah. My parents came here from Egypt in like 1996, I think just a year before I was born. Excellent. Okay. In the United States. How do you, I mean, I'm, in this show, I talk a lot about, you know, the in, indigenous principles and heritage and, you know, our culture and all those things and how they play into our lives. And cultures have been a big, big discussion. How, and just as a kind of a little back channel note here, I mean, how do you feel, if anything, that your Egyptian heritage plays into your, your everyday perspective at this point? 
Yeah, that's a really interesting question. So, um, yeah, I mean, like, I think there's values in my culture that I don't necessarily agree with. And there's also values that I do agree with. Um, so for me, it's just like not getting too, um, you know, bound up and trying to like label myself and say I'm this thing. And like, therefore I have to do these things. Um, but honestly, like, it's just a, it's interesting, right? So my parents always had a, a pretty strong, um, you know, value on education, um, you know, being somebody that, you know, they traveled the world for and in their mind, it's kind of like, okay, you know, once our kids go to college and they get like a six figure salary, then they kind of made it. And for me, like, I just knew that wasn't the way I was going to go. So like throughout school, I was, I was a pretty, I was the kind of student that like literally just tried to slide by, like just slide by. And, um, you know, like I didn't really fail classes, but I, I don't think I've ever gotten an A in my entire life. Um, so I was just like, I'm just like trying to slide by and like my parents, you know, when I was growing up, like in middle school and high school, like they always had a very high value on education. Um, but I just didn't. (laughs) So like in turn that always looked for me, like trying to do other things, like whether it was trying to, you know, put, submerse myself into video games or go, go on the internet or like start a business really early because I knew school wasn't really, um, for me, despite, you know, at that current time, like, I don't know, maybe it's my Egyptian culture, the hair, I have no idea, you know, but those things are just kind of in line because they've been happening, um, that, uh, that really do that. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that's how it affects me for the most part. Fair enough. Yeah. I mean, I'm always interested in, in the, you know, kind of the cultural elements and you never know what comes up there. I mean, perhaps it's a negative influence that you're trying to counteract or it's a positive influence that you're trying to emulate and so on. I recognize how culture plays into our lives and perspectives so much. Uh, and I, I'm sure that, you know, continues to, there's a, a ripple effect from the, the culture that we all come from, obviously, in our lives. I'm interested too. I know that in 2016, around that same time that we we're discussing, you had an experience at a college party that made a pretty Im- big <laughs> impact on you. Uh, and, and when I read it, I laughed because I was like, I've had some similar types of experiences, you know, where you're somewhere and you're like, oh my God, I'm seeing the matrix <laughs> or whatever it is. Yeah. Um, and you kind of see yeah. behind the veil and you're like, I can never go right. back to not seeing this. It's there now. And and you talked a little bit, I, I've just you know read a little bit about you saying that that kind of it connected you maybe with your intuition or maybe it was just a time when you were allowing your intuition to guide you mm. and gain some clearer vision from that and so on. Unpack that a little bit. That's that's really intriguing to me. What And, and I'm, I'm big on intuition. So how, how did yeah. that play a role? How did that roll out? Yeah, that's a really interesting question. So, so yeah, so like basically at that time, you know, what ended up happening is, you know, earlier in the year, I kind of fell into you know, my version of, um, rock bottom and ended up gaining a bunch of weight and, you know, doing all these different things and so on and so forth. Um, and then I was like, really just trying to take stock of my life, like just trying to take inventory about like who I am, you know, what are the things that I've done? What am I good at? Like just a wide variety of things. And so in turn, like I really started to work on myself and I started to, um, get into, you know, good nutrition and like sleep and exercise and meditation and journaling and being grateful and, 
setting up a morning routine and all these different sorts of things. And I fell into my, you know, old pattern of behavior when I went to this college party. And just like you said, it's like this lifting of the veil where like, I don't know how any else way to describe it, but it's kind of like you see like this orchestrated play and everyone kind of feels like a, um, like a puppet, like a mechanical, like animate, maybe like even like an animatronic, like if you know what I'm talking about, yeah. we're like, you just see these people like, and they're falling into like these patterns of behavior and thought and all these different things. And it's just like, you know, when I finally shifted my internal mindset by like meditating and doing all these other things, you know, I was, I was more revealed to myself and I was just kind of like, you know, something is a little bit off about this. Like something is like, I don't know how to describe it, but, uh, and like from that point when I just, you know, really just like, back to my place and you know I urge to to start building like a like a compelling future um for myself like I, I had already been doing all these things that you know I would know now to be good like reading and meditating and this and that but you know I needed something to point that at I needed some sort of a you know, a conquest to, to, to embark on. And like, I basically just went home and I pulled out a notebook and I started like, you know, just writing down a bunch of, um, like different industries and the areas of exponential technologies. Cause like that was just something that I was really interested in. Um, and like from that point on, I just did like a series of different cross nation things. And like, I really just stayed up all night and I ended up pinning it down to like virtual and augmented and mixed reality, just because I came to the conclusion that, you know, these, these different forms of technology are going to like radically change, um, who we are as people. And, you know, not even far out in like 10, 15 years, but it's already being used today for super innovative uses. Like the military is using it for, um, you know, veterans with PTSD. The military is also using it to not treat veterans and to get better at combat. And there's like so many different uses that, you know, I just figured this is something I'm really going to get into. And, you know, from that point on, I ended up starting a business that, you know, pivoted a few times, but, um, you know, that's, uh, that's really the role that that thing kind of played. And for me, it was like kind of getting my intuition, like that voice inside is, you know, I think that thing, that voice only comes in certain whispers. And, you know, when we're, when we're like, you know, distracted in our lives, when we're trying to, you know, when we feel that resistance and, you know, instead of, you know, actually feeling and thinking it through, we end up just trying to ignore it or like trying to drown it out. And, um, you know, whether it be, uh, substances, different thought patterns, um, Instagram TV, like really anything to, to numb, numb yourself out of, um, kind of self-awareness. And I think, you know, once you do get to a spot in your life and you're just taking inventory and you're working on it, then that's when I think, you know, you start to hear the intuitive side of you now. And like, you know, so many people ask me things like, how do you make decisions? How do you make choices? And like, I honestly don't like my gut, just my instinct just does it for me. Like just on a regular basis, like I have no idea. And you know, that could be a good thing. Could, could be a bad thing. I don't know. Right. But, but, uh, but I think that that's the place ultimately where I'm at. And you know, life is pretty, it's pretty straightforward. It's pretty simple. It's, you know, I'm doing like 
a thousand X what I was doing a year ago with what seems like a hundred less times effort, right. um, even though I do, I do work very hard, but like, you know, I don't, I, and like, there's that term is like flow and things like that. You know, I don't want to say I live like a flowy life or anything, but I mean, I'm just super in line with what I'm doing in the world and how I'm doing it and what my values are and how I'm getting there that I'm just like, I'm just in it for the ride at this point. And I've really, um, you know, there's always a layer there's always, um, you know, one of my mentors says, you know, you know, when you finish a race, when you finish a marathon, by the time your next marathon starts, you know, you've already got wobbly legs. So like, there's always going to be a next layer in life and things like that. But, you know, I'm pretty, I'm pretty content right now. Well, you talk about how the, you know some of that represents the, the concept of flow in your life and so on. So that taps into something that I'm uh, an ardent student of, I guess. In, in the Tao, uh, there's a, a concept called Wu Wei, and it's that state of mind, you know, where a person operates from wholeness, kind of in the harmony and the flow of the universe, clear vision, behaving completely natural. Wu Wei means, you know, to to do without doing, to uh, uh, do nothing yet leave nothing undone. We're kind of getting in the essence of the Tao, but ultimately what that gets to is to the flow state. You know, Silva talk, Jason Silva talks about that a lot. He, I'm, he's a hero of mine. <laughs> that Wu Wei really is ultimately, you know, as a coach for myself and as a uh, podcaster and any you know, most of the other projects I'm working on is an effort to help people get into that state of Wu Wei. Uh, and, that, and that's another bigger, broader discussion. But Ultimately, what we are getting at, in essence, is a flow, you know, to, to kind of take up the oars and say, okay, I'm, I'm going to flow with the universe rather than trying to fight my way through it. Flow like water. That's, that's the, the general concept there. So I also know, uh, obviously, being a life coach in that department, it, I, I'm, people hire me not because they naturally flow into this state, but because they need a little guidance. They need help. They need assistance. Uh, the information and, and, and all that kind of stuff. So I'm interested for you in, in your getting into sort of a flow and, 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 and tapping into the flow of the universe and this feeling that we're alluding to now. I don't imagine that just happened on accident either. So like what what's part of your speak about a little bit of your journey in terms of how you began to be inspired to meditate, how you began to be inspired to tap into your in, intuition and then forming practices around that. What did that uh, transformation look like uh, from whenever it started to happen? Yeah, that's a really good question. So, okay, so like three years ago, um, if you try to you know, ask me anything about like mindset or like any of these words that we're using now, they were just completely unfamiliar to me. And like what I, I'll tell you this, like when, like after I got out of high school and I ended up going to college, I, that's when I started to, to like really realize kind of what's going on. And the way that I was able to sort of become more aware is, you know, I, throughout my life, I, I like really struggled with, um, anxiety and expressing myself and really feeling things. 
And, you know, I started to, you know, towards the end of high school, I started to really start to understand how this was negatively affecting me, like all the regrets I had, all the things that I could have done and this and that, if I wasn't, you know, too afraid to talk to that person or sign up for this thing or do this or that. And so when I went to, when I went to college, I like really, you know, started to understand that like, you know, it doesn't matter where you go. It doesn't matter what clothes you wear or what kind of facial hair you've got or what, you know, what color you dye your hair or this and that. The same thing will keep on happening over and over and over and over again to you unless you change your mind. So when I went to college, that's when I started to, to discover that. And I like, you know, towards the end of my first year in college, I ended up gaining the, you know, there's the common saying of the freshman 15, but I gained, I gained like the freshman 60. So I basically gained (laughs) an unbelievable amount of weight through like, you know, so many different lifestyle changes. Like, you know, I was eating crappy food. I would, I would go to sleep at like 4am and I'd, you know, wake up at 8am to go to class and I'd like chug like two Red Bulls and I'd like eat all this crappy food and I'd take a nap in between and then I'd do this and that and this. And it really just set me up for a course of disaster. But like the main thing and like the reason why that kind of happened was I started to feel resistance in my life and what that resistance looking back at it, cause I didn't know that it was happening now what that resistance came from was just like, you know, I, I started this dope Minecraft server when I was 15, I made all this money. And, you know, when I was a young kid, I was always doing things. I like started to code and develop websites and apps when I was like, you know, super young. And like, I just always knew that, you know, I always thought differently and, you know, I never, I was never really, um, you know, the same to everyone else around me. And, you know, that definitely contributed to my social anxiety, but, you know, my narrative was always just kind of like to, like, I knew that I had to make something great. Like I knew that, you know, my, my future is going to be filled with greatness. But the thing is, is like, I was just stuck in like a college classroom learning about math. And I was like, wait, what the hell is going on? Like I'm supposed to be, you know, the next like Mark Zuckerberg or something. And I'm sitting here in this math class. And like, once I started to hear that, and then like, I, I would hear, um, people like in, in my college that are like a couple years older than me, you know, they were talking about things like, Hey, I'm going to, you know, after I, after these three years, I'm going to graduate and then I'm going to, you know, get this job at this, uh, I'm going to become like a software developer at this company and I'm going to, you know, do this and that. And like, I was just thinking about how awful it's going to be for the rest of my life. And like from, from realizing that, you know, basically whenever I was in a class or anything like that, it would literally feel like I was in like radioactive lava and I could just see my life like deteriorating and fading in front of my very eyes. Oh, wow. So that's where the resistance came from. It's like, I knew how I had to do something, but I wasn't doing it. And like the only way that I was taking action was by, you know, like binge eating at night and like drowning myself and just like trying to watch as many TV shows and playing games and this and that all because I was trying to escape that resistance. And like, after, after I got out that year, I ended up going back home with my parents 
ironically enough, you know, going back to one of the questions that you asked me, I ended up traveling back to, uh, to Egypt for like a month. And, you know, there I like just really got some perspective and, you know, I was really able to just start thinking about my life in a different way. And like, you know, I still didn't even know that I had hit rock bottom at that time, but my main thing was just kind of like, okay, I don't even know what happened, but all I know is that I don't want that to happen again. So like I just started reading books, I started learning about everything. I started really becoming aware and trying to improve myself. And like the, the big one for me was when I discovered this, um, like this diet called uh, bulletproof lifestyle. And um, <laughs> I'm drinking bulletproof I, coffee as I, as I talk to you, by the way. So I'm with you, brother. <laughs> Dude, Jared, I'm not even joking, bro. I'm not even joking. Fifty percent of the podcasts that I go on, when I get to this part of my story, th- they literally say the exact same thing. I put my bulletproof coffee right I now. I have it so, in my hand here. Yes. Well, there you go, man. So I basically got on that train, and I literally lost all the weight. But more importantly, wow. I was able to like look in the mirror and see that I actually changed something. I actually did something like, and I saw that I was able to see that in real time. And also, you know, my body entered in the state called ketosis Mm -hmm. and I basically got mental clarity to be able to figure out and realize everything that I, that I've literally just been telling you. And like from that moment on, like within a span of two weeks, I just had like a series of like so many different epiphanies. Like I, rem- I remember the big one, like on, on the date, November 8th, 2016, I just had like this really, um, like surrendering moment of, you know, reconciling my past, you know, taking responsibility, not blaming everything for, for, you know, on other people, but I started, you know, blaming myself and taking responsibility and really understanding that life is just a real reflection of all the great things and the bad things that you've done. And it's ultimately on you. And like, that's when I really began to understand like, Oh, Oh, okay. So life, like the entire game, is you versus you. It's not like your parents, your environment, the government, this, the economy, this, this, and that. And once I started to understand that, then that's when the, um, then that's like really like, that was really like the turning point. That was really like the line in the sand. And, you know, I've been doing different things like meditating and and eating healthy and sleeping and exercising and breathing and all these different things that, you know, you know, you know, that are good things for us humans to do. Then that's really all that stuff happened. And it, you know, really just sort of transformed my life. ended up leading me to starting my business, ended up leading me to, to start my podcast and so many, you know, unbelievable opportunities and, you know, the fulfillment and the gratification that I get is just absolutely ridiculous. And it really is like, you know, if I was, if I was talking to Mark, like just like a day or two before that inflection point, I would have been like, man, literally what's going to happen a year, two years from now is like, it's literally so crazy. You can't even imagine it. Mm. So that's the point. That I'm at. <laughs> <laughs> Sweet. I love that. Well, okay. So, so you, we've gotten some of the journey now. And then from that, I recognize, you know, that impacts your perspective, your worldview, you know, all, all those elements. And typically from that, in as you're doing that, as you're on that red road journey in the Lakota sense, uh, mm. you, 
I think it, it, that then helps us to form a more deliberate ethos, a perspective, or a yeah, philosophy. Um, what would you say is your, if you, well, I'm going to ask you, will you describe your ethos? Like, what, what is it that you believe that drives you? Yeah, I mean, I think it's an interesting question, but, you know, the way I'll answer that is, you know, on that date that I just told you, November 8th, 2016, a big thing for me was going down to my local target and buying a whiteboard. And like from that whiteboard, I wrote down like a bunch of goals and a bunch of like important things that I was going to try to keep as my North star. And really like, you know, I'm not a fan of, um, I'm not a fan of like, you know, just follow like these three steps and, and do it or, or this, this and that. Cause you know, I think everyone's got their own path, but you know, something I wrote on that whiteboard that's been with me ever since. And for me, you know, it's, it's really been, you know, the, the unlocking key and it's just so unbelievably simple, but it's number one, take responsibility for your life. You know, I don't think it's possible to be able to change anything if you don't take full ownership of it. The second thing is taking action. And the third one is, is just doing it, just finding a way despite, you know, whatever the story or the excuse or, um, you know, whatever you say to try to justify yourself in your current position. Um, but like literally just by following those three things, I've been able to do literally just an unbelievable amount of stuff that I never thought was, was possible. Well, I, I, I mean, I appreciate that. And I know how, like, for instance, for, for myself, I look at what I do today. It, it's not possible without my, you know, the beliefs that I hold and carry around with me and the ethos that I have and, and the drive that I've got and the practices that I have to kind of keep me in line to that agenda. Like I, I want certain things out of life. I want to experience things. I, I want to be diligent about how I impact people's lives, recognizing that my words and actions have, you know, they have weight to it and we are interconnected. Mm -hmm. So I want to be deliberate about that. And I think that, uh, again, I feel like that's not, that is a result of uh, intentionality and being deliberate and, and, and feeding my mind. Obviously, you, you're doing that. You're feeding your mind with all this other information, and it's mm. inspiring you. And it's little plugins, if you will, that you can add on to your life. Say, so like, I'm going to add that in now. Yes. I'm going to add in a meditation or a mantra or Bingo. hiking more or whatever it is, you know, and it's, it's all right. different. Uh, so we kind of get our little, um, I mean, it's almost like we're, we're making like this little, uh, supercomputer out of ourselves and, and plugging in all these little parts and saying like, okay, now this is the computer I want to be running. Uh, I've, I've been deliberate about that. Um, and I, I think there's, I want to shift a little bit here because we're going to move into more discussion here about your, your ventures, which I'm very interested in. And that's what led me to you. But as we get into that, I want to talk about that. There's a, I think we're all aware at this point that, I mean, we have a term like woke, right? We didn't have that before, <laughs> <laughs> that catchy little term. And it's funny how much I use it now, sort of in jest, and now I find myself just using it. But there, you know, that's an interesting fad, uh, and, and certainly one that I support. We could have, we've had worse fads <laughs> than, than becoming conscious. Yeah. But when, what, ultimately what that is, is a way of saying becoming conscious, uh, you know, and that mm -hmm. would be apply. And, I think that implies to me that consciousness that we're becoming fully alive, fully awake to something. Uh, and, and I think 
there's two sides of this discussion. One is I do believe there is a great movement towards consciousness right now. I I feel like that's palpable at this point with all the stuff going on. And at the same time, it's also, uh, it begs the question, what are we waking up to? So I, I can fill that in obviously with all kinds of my thoughts and things like that, but you're there doing your thing with your perspective and your initiatives and so on. What do you feel that consciousness, from your perspective, for you, for your life? I'm not asking you to, you know, make a blanket statement about what consciousness is, but for you, what is becoming conscious for you? Great question. So, so whenever I, you know, hear hear that word "woke," you know, <laughs> I always chuckle and and laugh. Um, because, you know, I think, I think for me, I, I, I don't think you're ever truly kind of woke. I think, you know, you, there's increments of it. And I think it's kind of like peeling back the layers of an onion where for me, it's always been about my perspective and how it seems that my perspective is always, late to the game. It's always delayed. Like, you know, for us, like, you know, whenever a bad thing supposedly happens, you know, 10 years later down the road, if, if it's a good road, we'll usually end up saying like, Oh, that thing that happened to me was actually the best thing that ever happened to me when we have hindsight. So for me, when you ask that question, the main thing that comes in my mind is just like, how can I consistently update my perspective because it's Mm. always wrong. Absolutely. Like all of the, all of the fears, all of the thoughts, all of the things and the things that are, are a part of me, maybe I'm born with, maybe, um, you know, they come from maybe some kind of like primal trauma when I was younger, but there's, I'm always, you know, burning off different parts of me because I'm always in the pursuit of the greatest version of myself which isn't really, you know, possible to hit. But if you really think about it, but it's always going to be a race. Like going back to what I said before, like once you get to the end of one race, you begin another race and you, you know, you're still a beginner. You're still brand new at that sort of thing. Like it doesn't matter who you are, like whether you're, you know, the, the, the Dalai Lama or this person or this person, that's what to me, that that's what it's all about. And, you know, in these times of, um, you know, maybe call them peak experiences, I, you know, you always feel like this sense of, um, love and, and, and the oneness. And it just feels like, you know, you're, you're getting all the, the love, the attention, all the, all the things that you've ever wanted. And you're just kind of satiated, um, until it's not until, until it changes. And then it's about updating that perspective again and again and again and again and again and again. Cause you know, ultimately I think as humans, like we're not meant to be like these static creatures. Like we're constantly like these goal seeking organisms. It's what makes us the most happy. And in turn, you know, we're, we're creating a whole other thing with, um, technology. And I think just technology to kind of piggyback off that is just, you know, the continuation of, of ourselves. And, you know, I think humans and technology have been working together throughout our entire existence to, 
you know, I don't even know what we're going to create, but I, but I know, you know, it's kind of like, um, you know, like at the, you know, when an ant colony comes in form, like none of them are, um, based on from what I know, none of them are really autonomous, but they, they all, they're all connected. They all work one together to build like a gigantic ant colony and like this ecosystem that thrives to like do certain tasks and be protected and this and that. And that's what I think what's going on with, um, with humanity. So I think we're just building, building, building because we do have that, you know, goal seeking mechanism part of us. And, it's um let's just say it's going to be really interesting you know 10 15 20 years from now with with all this stuff absolutely okay well speaking of updating your perspective um and i agree that's an ongoing effort we're never you know fully conscious or enlightened or or whatever we it's an ongoing mm-hmm. journey um so the in that effort to consciously update your perspective do you think do you have any like uh, any major inspiration from a person or a book or a thing or an experience or whatever that you credit with kind of having a big influence on your perspective? For instance, if I say, hey, yeah. you know, Wayne Dyer is my guy, which is partly true. But um, in terms of uh, influencing my perspective in a great way, you get a certain flavor from that. Right. Or if I said Thich Nhat Hanh or, or Oprah right. or whoever it is, like they all kind of give a different perspective for us as a, from the audience into your mind. Uh, hmm. so is, is there anyone, and it doesn't have to be a person, but I don't know. I'm just, I'm interested in the things that have influenced your perspective environmentally, yeah. whether it be human or, or experience wise. Uh, just, yeah. I, I think that's a big part of our stories. Yeah. Yeah. So like first, like what comes to mind of people like radically changing my life and helping me realize things mm. is I would say number one, uh, Steve jobs, number two, uh, Gary Vaynerchuk, number three, Jason Silva, believe it or not, he was, um, he was really great in my life because what, what he did through his videos and just watching them is that was the first time that I was really able to start to imagine, to build a better compelling future for myself. So like, I really credit Jason Silva a lot. Um, and then probably for the last two, last three, I would say um, Napoleon Hill read the book Think and Grow Rich, and um, I like to think of that as kind of the structure of my mind. And um, last two people, my my mom and dad. I really do think that you know, looking back at my life, all the things that they taught me in all these different moments, really just you know created me into the human that I am today, and really just set the foundation for, for, for who I am. So I'd say those people. That's beautiful. Uh, and it's some, some of the same people on my list as well, Sp- specifically Jason Silva and my parents. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's great. So, okay. You, you, let's, let's shift now then into, uh, where you're at and what you're doing. I want people to know who you are and what you're doing, you know, and then any contribution I can give to that. I'm, I'm happy for that because I think what you're doing is important. And, from a technological standpoint, we, you know, we understand that technology, you know, how integrated technology is into our life. Well, actually to speak, Jason Silva speak, we, we know, we understand that it's an expression of us. It's an extension of our consciousness and, and our, our cognition, if you will. Uh, I'll try not to go into my Jason Silva rant. Uh, I'll let him do that because he does it so well, <laughs> but, uh, that uh, you have formed a, a company, v, VU Dream, um, and your Human 2.0 podcast, which 
for me, are, those two elements are perfectly congruent. Uh, and, and I, I want to talk about that a little bit too, but you, you're, let's, let's talk a little bit about VR or sorry, VU dream first. So you have a growing, or this is a, I'm, I'm reading here from your, uh, statement on on the company a growing and innovative virtual augmented reality marketing and advertising agency and I, I think you know you guys are working on advertising and marketing and things like that i'm in that space and i understand the importance of that but i, I think what you're doing there and using this as an educational uh scenario uh, not just something mm-hmm. recreational but uh, from an education standpoint is something that's very interesting to me uh, and I've studied some of this uh, and want to ask you some questions about that as well. But I, I think what what would you say when you set out to create VU Dream rather than me superimposing what, what I, or what I think you might have wanted to do there? What would you say was your is your um, and I, I'm look, getting tied up in goals and this stuff necessarily. But what's your vision? I, like, what do you hope happens from VU Dream? Great question. So. When I started it, it was really just like, okay, what can I do with the limited resources, limited experience, knowledge, network, blah, 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 that I can help push this movement of this exponential experiential technology of virtual augmented mixed reality. And it was basically to start a website that helped distribute VR headsets. That's largely very much changed today. And it's turned into a, uh, you know, like a marketing growth agency for VR and AR. And that's just a way for us to, you know, currently use, in my opinion, our greatest skill set and what we're the best at in order to gain resources, a client network, attention base. And ultimately the end goal is to start developing VR software and AR and MR software that is going to make the world some sort of um, a better place. So there's all sorts of different things that um, we're just starting to, to work on, but really you know, I like to imagine it as an experiential human improvement studio. That's what I'm trying to to make it. And, you know, a great example of this is, you know, Jason Silva talks about this thing called the astronaut overview effect. And it's basically when... <laughs> yes. More, more <laughs> on that in a second. When, <laughs> Continue. Yeah, it's basically when, um, you know, an astronaut goes up in space and they look back and they see the Earth and they see, you know, everything they've ever known is just one collective thing. And it makes them reconcile and really shift their worldview. So it's like, okay, what if we can take that experience, put that into virtual reality eventually when it becomes indistinguishable from reality and people can have like different sorts of like these these peak um life-shifting experiences like just anywhere like from their home so like imagine what that could do for for human potential and and there's all sorts of different things that i'm working on but ultimately it's going to be like the overarching um virtual augmented and mixed reality uh department and um, execution vehicle that i'm going to use for the next 15 20 years to do the things that i want to do in this world beautiful well, I'm a big fan of the the overview effect that you're talking about with that, that was written by Frank White in like 75 or 6 or something like that. I can't remember. Uh, long story short, Frank and that book, the overview effect, and then the, the film that came from it, Planetary, was a 
a huge uh, influence on my perspective. And I loved how Frank kind of, uh, he put words around that cognitive shift that happens to an astronaut as they look back at the earth from outer space and recognize all of our interconnectedness and lack of borders and lack of any sort of division at all. Uh, and I, and I was so intrigued by that. It was so in line with what I care about. And anyway, I reached out to him years ago at the same time that I reached out to Jason Silva and now I've become friends with both and, and, or had conversations with, with, uh, Silva and then, uh, Frank and I've become very good friends and I'm now building his brand, which is an honor. Uh, but I, I, it's because I believe in his message that he's trying to get out with the overview effect. I have other things I'd love to talk to you about in terms of connecting the two of you as well. So we'll talk about that offline. Um, Dude, hell yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, the, the, uh, all these things are meant to be, obviously, all this synergy that we're, this synergy soup that we're experiencing here. I love that. So, so I'm, okay, let's get a little deeper into the VR thing because I have never, mm. I must confess, uh, I've really, <laughs> to, to, to said, I've never played a video game really of, of any kind. Um, I'm sure I've played a few throughout the years, but obviously nothing remarkable. And I've never been into VR or anything like that. I was kind of a, I was never really into technology that much at all. Now I have some tech that I, where I'm a power user on some things, but then again, it's not a lot of things, but VR has come into my, uh, you know, my, my world, I guess, lately Mm. over the last few years. And that got me thinking about what would I do with VR? Like, what would I care about with VR? And then obviously, as it goes, then I discovered all these people that are doing kind of what I would do with VR. And I've been studying them. One of those guys is Jeremy Balenson from Stanford, the, the, Mm. what is that virtual human interaction lab that he's been running for about 20 years. Are you familiar with that? Yes. Okay. That, I mean, that part of it, or that angle, sorry, of VR and he's he's studying you know how virtual experiences lead to changes in perceptions and, and things like that. How do we influence people's perspective with that? And specifically, you know, social interaction and, and so on. But my biggest love of what Balenson is doing is is the trying to grow empathy, you know, to, to make us more empathetic mm-hmm. through VR, you know, through and, and I because the first thing I thought of was, oh my God, like I've been trying as an activist my whole life to to help someone empathize, if you will, I guess, to, to, to really put themselves in someone else's shoes, which I guess is what that is. And, and to understand what, what it would feel like even just for a moment to be a woman in Rwanda, you know, during whatever times. Right. And, you know, cause I worked there for 10 years and, and, and so it, like, how do I, how do I take that back to someone, you know, and, and have them experience it, you know, and I certainly, you know, tried my best, but in the end, I can't do what a VR, a two minute VR experience could do a hundred million times more for someone's perspective than I could in a three hour speech. So that really got me interested, you know, and then I got into Jaron Lanier and, you know, he's a VR pioneer and, mm. um, you know, for, first, at, what was he at mm-hmm. Atari and then Microsoft or something like that. And, and I love yeah. his work and, 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 and just his perspective and kind of his general demeanor, I appreciate um, and then that led me into Tristan Harris, you know, from Humane Tech and, and before it was time well spent, I guess. And they, they just converted to Humane Tech about six, eight months ago, something like that. And, and, you know, kind of putting some ethics to technology and so on. So I've just named off some people that have inspired me in this conversation. And then that led me to you as well. And so you and I, and I say, OK, here's another major player in this discussion. And here's somebody that's 
sort of taking this from the angle that I that I most appreciate if we're going to address technology mm. and VR and so on, this kind of feels like what it should look like. So I, I, I want to I'd like to hear your thoughts on that because I'm interested in technology as to how it helps us align with love and align with humanity and to to have a more harmonious world. And I, I feel that from you. Uh, so let's unpack that a little bit. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, um, you know, I think that technology is ultimately, you know, it's man-made evolution almost. And, mm. you know, Jason Silva talks about this and it's basically been in a parallel evolutionary um, race with humans that has made us humans. Like when human beings discovered that, you know, you could break off a stick from a branch and, you know, get this piece of fruit from this tree Mm. or, you know, discover fire or discover this spear or discover um, like these, how to paint caves and all these different things. These are all, um, you know, inventions of technology that have really um, shaped the way of, of how we conduct our, our, our lives, you know, on a, on a moment to moment basis. Um, so I think if you come at it from that angle, you know, you really see what's going on and you really see that, you know, the technology that is going to quote unquote win and people are going to use, it's only going to exist if it's ultimately good, if it's ultimately useful, if people have a reason to use it. Now, the thing is, is that it gives us more power. It gives us more autonomy. It gives us um, more white space and more opportunity to be able to do a wide variety of different things, right? So for example, just take a look at World War II, right? right? Like so much technological surging, so much like like an arms race, a technology race was also going on to what build a nuke to, to like murder a bunch of people. Right. Like, yeah. so I think there, that's kind of the bad side. And, you know, ultimately I think, I think all of these things will, will sort themselves out. And like, you know, my phone, for example, you know, like a lot of people like to, you know, say that, yeah, you know, you're, everyone's on their phone now and you, know, you can get so distracted into it. But I mean, that's just what happens, what happens when you have more power. That's just what happens when you have more freedom. Like if you rewind what, like a thousand years ago, not even a thousand years ago, a lot of people were just slaves. Like a lot of people were just, you know, captured or, um, you know, living in like these very small communities. And, you know, if there was a king, if there was a queen, if there was whoever, you didn't really have much say, but now, like just in my case, like my phone and my laptop or whatever has been able to like lift me out of poverty, like has been able to do so many different crazy, uh, amazing different things. And ultimately, you know, that's what makes us human. You know, it's not necessarily like our primitive animalistic side. It's just like, you know, what can we do if we all come together and, and really work as one? And, you know, I think the data that shows that, you know, every, mostly every single country's development factor is, is, is getting better. There's less, there's less death, murder, disease, destruction going on right now than at any other time. And, you know, I just can't, 
help to say that, you know, the different kinds of communication technologies that we have today have basically enabled that happen. And it's come very quickly. And, you know, the way that technology works is it's exponential. So the very speed at which it's changing is changing and getting faster, which, you know, if you look at this from a societal standpoint, every generation has said something bad about the previous generation and how they use technology. It's literally been going on for thousands of years. Humans are just not programmed to like constantly be, be in a, in a changing environment with technology. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think people are always going to fear that kind of change and, and a good person to look up to on this is, um, Jason Pfeiffer, the editor in chief of entrepreneur magazine mm-hmm. has this podcast um, I totally forgot what it's called, but something skeptics, but basically what he does in every episode is he goes back in time and he looks at when a particular technological invention was becoming mainstream. And he just takes a look at like what everyone was saying on it. And there's all different sorts of things to, you know, like the car to like recorded music, to coffee, to like all these different things. And like how basically the same kind of outrage is happening now has just always been been happening. And for the most part, um, it's um, it's warrantless. We've got a, obviously a natural segue into your podcast on all this, because this is a lot of the discussion that you're having on your podcast, right? So you, you've built a business, this uh, VU Dream, that is doing facilitating these dynamics that we're talking about and helping you uh, utilize technology, in this case, VR and, and augmented reality, to help people align, I think. I mean, maybe I'm using my words on that, but I feel like that's it. that is what you're doing, which is very inspiring to me. So let's talk a little bit about your podcast too. I mean, and, and you can navigate this however you'd like, but I know you're there, you're educating people, you know, in a way that helps to maybe create a cognitive shift to change their perspective, to, to upgrade their perspective, if you will, uh, to the human 2.0 kind of that, that you say is inside of all of us. Talk to us a little bit about that, that, that technological self-development style that you're talking about with the human 2.0 perspective. Sure. So I started my podcast last year, um, really during like June, July. That's when I got the idea for it. And it was really just like a way for me to say like, hey, you know, it was a time where, you know, I was changing a lot of different things about myself. I had started this business. I had, you know, started a bunch of new things and, you know, it's pretty, it's, uh, it's pretty hard. So it was just kind of me saying like, okay, how can I go out there and like learn what I need to learn to, you know, get the results of my life that I want. And starting a podcast was just a very straightforward way. Cause it was just a way for me to be like, okay, how's a 20 year old with the limited resources, knowledge, experience that he has, you know, talk to the people out there in the world that, you know, are actually, you know, walking the walk. And from that point on, and like looking back at my life and, you know, seeing that I had a YouTube channel and doing all these things, I'm like, okay, yeah, I'm just going to facilitate the use of technology, these kinds of exponential communicative technologies to reach out to these people, record something, um, and then put it out there for anyone else that wants to listen as well. So I kind of started that and, um, I really got really serious about it. The started from this year, January 1st. And, you know, I really started to see results around April. It's really just, 
you know, transformed into this whole other sort of thing. But like, what I'll say is that, you know, the humans 2.0 podcast is, it's just really about like, how can a human, you know, best orient him or herself in a constantly changing, um, technological environment and how can they, you know, embrace the human side of them and not let themselves distort themselves through technology. Um, and that's really what the podcast is all about. So like I talk to people like, um, Naveen Jain, Brian Johnson, Seth Godin, um, a lot of other people that are really kind of prominent in this sort of field that are really building the, the future. Okay. So as we're kind of coming to a close here, I'm a parent. Okay. I have four kids <laughs> and mm. I recognize that as a parent, really what I am is kind of their chief influencer, right? I'm the biggest mm. influence at my wife and I both are, are the biggest influences in their life. So, you know, and, the, and we all know that our kids listen a, a lot less to our great speeches and they spend a lot more time just watching how we handle life because that's what they're, that's where mm. they're going to get their real data <laughs> that they're going to process. Yeah. Uh, and they're gonna, more likely to emulate that than my great speeches about how to live life. <laughs> From that perspective, it also reminds me that we all are influencing others. If I walked into a room with you and a bunch of other people, and I never said anything. That would be an influence. You might talk about that later. Like, mm. hey, who's the weird guy that never said anything? So that it creates an, an, an influence or an impact. You are in a position of authority. You're in a position of leadership. You're in a position of influence. So with this, I think I've seen, obviously, you'd be very deliberate about what that looks like. Uh, whether or not you were in, intending that in this particular way or not. But I, when I look at what you're doing, I see something very beautiful, uh, something that I, you know, obviously, through, even through this podcast interview, want to help amplify. You're going out and you're influencing people with your life, with your perspective. What do you hope in the end your influence is over people and their interaction with you after having interacted with you in some way, even if it's just listening to one of your podcasts, what do you hope it is that they feel, that they think, how they think differently maybe because of your influence? I would hope that they really just see somebody who came from an immigrant background, parents came here with no money. Um, I was not smart. I wasn't talented. I wasn't um, gifted by any means. I wasn't athletic. I wasn't any of these things. But through being really persistent, I was able to transform my dreams into reality. And hopefully when they think of that, they also can think that they can do the same thing. Beautiful. All right, man. Well, you, you've said along the way here that you know, when you listed your three items to take responsibility for your life, take action, and, and then just do it. Uh, and I think the just do it part leads to an element of faith in my, from my perspective. And just it's hard to just do it when you don't believe that the world, you know, the universe is working in your favor and that it is possible. So uh, I, I value what you're saying there in that statement. And I see you doing all of these things and certainly inspiring others to do that as well. I love your perspective and creativity. And I feel like uh, I do experience a lot of faith from you too. Whether or not you would call it that, I, I do feel that from you. And, and that, uh, you know, I feel... I feel that joy, that authentic joy. Like when I first, when you and I got on the phone today uh, on this call originally, 
I said, how are you? And you, and you went on about how you're having the most fantastic day. It's fairly <laughs> early in the game, by the way. And, uh, and you're, and I, I can feel that joy from you. And I love that. And I feel it through your podcast and your genuine enthusiasm. And I'm, I'm happy to have had the opportunity to help amplify that even just a little bit. So thank you for your, your time and, and choosing to face the resistance you felt and rather than to succumb to it or let it hold you back. And, uh, and for being a light in the world and, and I think drawing out the light in others. So thank you, brother, for being on the show and holding the space with us today. I really appreciate it. Jared, dude, thank you, man. You're the best. You're a great podcast host. And I just want to say to everyone out there that's listening to this, wherever you're listening to this, make sure you go on this dude's podcast and leave him a five-star review. He works really hard and I'd appreciate it. Wow. Thank you so much, Mark. I appreciate that. And I will leave all the details about how to find you, markretriate.com and vudream.com. All of those things will be in the show notes as well. Guys, please go out and check out what he's doing. I think it's a beautiful thing and it will inspire you and bring wonderful things into your life as you follow this journey. So thank you, Mark, for being on the show. And thank you, audience, for hanging with us. I appreciate it. Thanks so much for holding this space for love and wisdom with us today. If you appreciate this discussion, I hope you'll share it widely and rate and review it on iTunes. That's the best way to amplify this message. An EP Radio theme music is provided by Human Suits from their original soundtrack for the documentary Planetary. Check them out and download their music at humansuits.bandcamp.com. Until next time, I wish you peace on your journey. May you always align with love and let your life speak. Takuya Yasin.